It is the Thanksgiving season, so tonight on my podcast, I'm thanking a special person in my life. In fact, he's the person who hired me to be a news anchor 23 years ago. He also happens to be a veteran, and we are going to talk to him about his experiences as he has defended our country in Iraq and Afghanistan. Right now, we are going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with Bob Page. You don't want to miss him. There is the word, there is the way. And brothers and sisters who find strength in their belief. We meet Faces of Faith with Bill Scoggins. Welcome in once again, everyone, to another edition of Faces of Faith. I'm your host, Phil Scoggins, and this is a delight, an an honor for me to have the person that is sitting directly across from me in this podcast studio. He is my longtime friend and brother in the Lord, Bob Page. And Bob, thank you for driving down from Noonan, Georgia, where you live uh, with your precious wife, Lori, and she's accompanied you on this trip today and sits here in the podcast studio with us. Wanted to at least acknowledge your better half, Bob. Mm-hmm. Me too. Thank me you for being too. with me, brother. Thank, thank you for having me. We are going to um, explore your, your, your roots here because you're a local guy, and we want to talk about how you got started in the broadcasting business and your commitment to your country through serving in both the Marines and the Navy. But let's, uh, let's start with how it all started here. And you were born where? Columbus, Phoenix City? Fort Benning. Okay. I was born in Martin Army. Um, my father was a soldier. My mother's a local girl. Uh, my family's been here. Uh, my grandmother's family, Culpeppers, came here after the Revolution. Um, and they were here. Keeps going in and out. I'm, I'm losing my hearing. Um, and then my grandfather's family, the Battistinis, mm-hmm. um, came here uh, about seven years before the Civil War started. So uh, we've been here a while. And my father was in the Army uh, in a unit that became the, they were the 11th Air Assault out at Harmony Church, I think is where they were. And then they became the cab while they were, he was already deployed. He'd already gone over his first tour. And then uh, he and my mom parted ways after his second tour. And um, here I am. I was raised here in Columbus in seventh grade, uh, raised in Bellwood, Mm -hmm. proud of that. And went to Johnson and went to Rose Hill Mm -hmm. and um, back to Johnson and then uh, moved to Phoenix City. I did junior high, high school, and CV. I went to Chattahoochee Valley there after I got out of the military. You played some basketball. Played a little ball over in Phoenix City. There's folks who, who probably who probably were saying, hey, man, he took money from me. Um, <laughs> I, as my mother used to say, if I, ever, if I ever lost him, all I did was listen. Because if the ball was bouncing, he was generally in the neighborhood where it was at. It was either at the Boys Club, 29th Street. Uh, North Columbus Boys Club or mm-hmm. Phoenix City Boys Club or Roy Martin Recreation Center. One of those places. Um, they didn't leave the gym open at the middle school too much, which is where Central used to play, mm-hmm. the barn. Yeah. And, but when they did, I was there. So, yeah, I played basketball and baseball, ran track um, at Central, and um, then went into Marine Corps. Uh, and when I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, was that because of your dad? No, actually, I, didn't, I wasn't close to my father. Um, I, as a matter of fact, as we sit here, I've probably talked to him four, four times in my life, met him two times in person, three, maybe. Um, uh, no, uh, it was something that was part of my family. My grandfather worked civil service for 35 years. Um, very patriotic family. Um, I was raised Catholic at Holy Family Catholic Church. I saw your 
podcast with Bob Jeswal. I just wanted to get the, the knife in there. I was I was the first Bob there. <laughs> uh, I was raised there, baptized there, was an altar boy there. Um, one of the guys, small world, um, was seven years older than me, roughly. He was the head altar boy. Um, when I reported in to the 1st Battalion, 8th Marines, uh, I, he said, look at me. The captain did, because I'm standing at attention. It's new PFC. And uh, it was Kevin Brickhouse. <laughs> he was my commanding officer. <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness. He goes, yep, and I'm going to call your grandfather every time you step out of line. So I was a good Marine. Mm-hmm. And um, I, after I got out of the Marines, I, I uh, came home. Um, Got offered a scholarship to play basketball over at Chattahoochee Valley. Played for Coach Key. Doug grew, Key. What grew a guy. Up, uh, I grew up sitting on the sidelines there mm-hmm. at Roy Martin Center, running out mopping up the floor with a towel. And ran into you a few times down there sitting under the basket. And um, in he my sports me. covering days back oh, in yeah. the – When you had those big ties. <laughs> I'll get into that later. But uh, – This is going to be hair. embarrassing, folks. <laughs> you had hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of hair. I keep threatening to break out the <coughs> Golden you, Park uh, program with a picture of you down there. a big smile on your face. I don't know if it was spring training or where you were at, but you're obviously, obviously on a baseball field, and it's this big, poofy, Brady Bunch <laughs> hairdo you got on top of your head there. Hey, it was the 70s, Bob, okay? Give me a break. I wasn't even born in the 70s. Come on. <laughs> I heard you say that to Steve Beverly. You're like, we started in the 70s. I thought, I'm going to go on and just lie and say, I wasn't even born then. <laughs> Well, I can't get away with that because my dad went to Vietnam in the 60s, so obviously 65. He went in 64, so he was gone when I was born. Anyway. So you came home uh, from the Marines what year? Uh, The end of 85, beginning of 86. um, I got out a little bit early. I had a little medical issue that I was able to overcome, actually, and go back in. Um, And uh, I played basketball in the 86 team and the 87 team. And – I have to, uh, you know, I got started in radio a very odd way. Um, but I'll show you how God has always been at work in my life because uh, I had a fear, a healthy fear of him. Um, and so I knew things I didn't want to cross him on. I didn't have a relationship, but I had a fear of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up, you have a healthy That'll fear. That'll preach. That's, that's a good study <laughs> lesson. It's the fear of your grandfather, your mother, and the Lord. And so, hell, that, uh, that'll preach, too. It yeah. preached a lot of times while it was running me around the house. But anyway, um, I uh, don't even know where I was at. See, I'm getting old and can't even keep my train of thought. Where was I? Where was I? She doesn't know either. Well, you, <coughs> you went from, um, we were talking about, you coming back from the Marines and it being then going to CVCC and playing basketball. Mm. Oh, how I got in broadcasting. Yeah. So this is how God works, even when I didn't know it was him doing any work. Uh, he orchestrated for me to go to work. I, so when I got out, I went to work in Peachtree Mall. The food court was new, was brand new. Mm-hmm. And they were opening a Del Taco there. And I, can, I guess we can mention names of companies without sure. sponsors getting mad, but whatever. Call me. Um, and I knew a girl who worked there. I'd been out of the Marine Corps 72 hours. I go out there. It's the week before Thanksgiving. So Black Friday week is coming up. Mm-hmm. I walk up to the counter and I said, how you doing? And she's like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? I said, I just got out of the Marines. I'm looking for a job. So I got hired. She, she introduced me to the manager and he hired me. So I had a job. 
first day I got home. <laughs> uh, shortly thereafter, another place opened up across from it, a French fry place um, called Boardwalk Fries. Yes. And, and so I got a part-time there job. There many times. So I got a job at both places. It was part-time. And uh, because of my military, you know, I, my clothes are always ironed and I kept myself and I have some bearing and can get to work on time and things like that. And I believe in clean. I became the manager. <clears throat> and so I left Otaku and became full-time. And I had no money. The guy who owned the place lived in Baltimore, and he didn't want to work the store, so he turned it over to me, and he said, here, do what you think, do your thing. So I did, and I said, I have to do something to get the word out. This is a new concept. You know, it's not been in the South before. So about that time, and I'm, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due here in this story, um, uh, there was a transition going on in radio. I had uh, It's now Rock 103, but back then it was KISS FM, and then there was WCUQ and KISS FM. I really didn't like WCGQ. I liked Kiss FM better. And they'd fired their morning guy. And I'm like, oh, man, I liked that guy. When I came home on leave or whatever, I could listen to him. He was funny and everything else. And they were hiring the guy from WCGQ to come over. You you know who I'm talking about, right? I'm not sure. Bear O'Brien. Bear. Okay. So Bear O'Brien. He's with us on the morning show. So when, yeah. Well, good. Well, he'll see this then. So and he'll hear me say this. Um, I called him up and I said, oh, I, I thought to myself, look, free advertising, right? I called the. The loud and I actually said this to him, so he'd probably laugh about it. I said, "I got to call the loudest mouth in town. <laughs> if I can get him to like what I'm doing, he'll mention me on the air, mm-hmm. and people will come by. If not, whatever." So I called him up, and he took my call, and he said, "Yeah, sure, I'll come by." So he came by, and he loved him. So the next <laughs> morning, he was on the air, and he gives me a shout out, right? And I'm in there cutting my potatoes, and you know, I'm all, "Oh my God, I heard my name on the radio." <laughs> and back then, I hadn't cleaned up my accent very much, so I'm like, "Oh man, they hear my name on the radio." <laughs> And so um, he, uh, he said, if you're, if you're listening, why don't you come down, come down tomorrow one day this week? So I said, shoot, I've never been in a radio station except this one when WRBL was on the air back in the old days. We came down for a toy drive or something they were doing back when I was a little fella and for Sportsman's Lodge. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, uh, I went down, and then a couple mornings later he was uh, – trying out a new partner on his show, Dave Werner, who went by the name of Dr. Dave, and they were together for years here at a country station here not long ago. And um, we hit it off, and I could do character voices and goof it off, and he and I would wrote some jokes and laughed around, and a day, two days, three days, I'd come down in the morning and hang out before I went to work. And after about two weeks, I had kind of become like the fifth wheel on this show, right? And it was he and Dave and Marcia Shipley and, and oh, yeah. John Hatcher that did a character voice and all these other <clears throat> And Jack Rogers. Jack Rogers had, was doing sports. And so Bear decided to run for mayor, which was a lark. But he actually got some write-in votes. I, I don't know how that worked. But anyway, um, he... Uh, he said to me, he said, you seem to like this. I said, man, I love this. What are you talking about? This is great. I, I, there was a, a, a young lady I knew in Il- Indiana. I wrote a letter to her back when we did that, and I said, you know, my grandmother always used to say, when you find your first love, you'll know it. I found mine broadcasting. I loved doing radio. And so I asked him, I said, Bear, would you do me a favor and put a word in for me? He said, well, you want a job? And I said, yeah, actually, I wouldn't mind. And I'm going to tell you right here in front of the whole world, and broadcast in front of everybody, that Bear O'Brien is the reason my career started. Really? And I'll never I, regret it. And I know he will never, he'll never, I've never had a chance to see him again. I saw him once at a comedy club back when he was doing some stand up work. Dave and I went and saw him. And I'll call him and make sure he watches his podcast. Yeah, he, he was the reason. And so God used him. And mm-hmm. I know he's walking with the Lord. I've seen that. I've, yeah. I've learned that. So, so 
everything has its purpose. And uh, I worked with uh, Kiss FM, and I did. I came off the morning show and went to overnights um, because I was, you know, I I, I have a problem with um, working because I had a full time job, full load at school, basketball team, and then full time at the radio station. <coughs> so. You know, my grandmother was one day, she said to me, can't you find anything else to do for that last two hours of the 24 you're not doing? I said, I try to sleep. Um, but I, I loved it. I loved radio. And radio, um, I was at CV going and getting a business degree in first semester, first quarter, whatever it was. And uh, the professor said to me, would you work at the radio station? I said, I do. He said, well, why are you getting a business degree? Why don't you get a degree in journalism? I went, they have that? Now, I know I look, I, I don't look that bright, but <laughs> you would have thought I would have known that. And I didn't. And, and uh, he said, yeah, they do over in the LRC. And before he finished C out of his mouth, I was gone out of the class. All these you know, 300 kids were like, where's that guy going? And I sprinted. I didn't even take the elevator. I ran down the stairs and walked right into the guy's class. Now, he worked here when you were here before Steve Williamson. Yes. Steve was my professor. I walked straight in Steve's class, and I said, hey, is this the radio TV place? He goes, come on in. Sure is. You just interrupted my class. Don't worry about that. (laughs) You know, he was a tall, slender, soft-spoken guy. And uh, that's how I started my degree program in that. And he left at the end of my freshman year. And um, the next year, Robert Cunningham came in. And um, uh, as happens in the broadcast business, People get let go. I was a part-timer, so I wasn't heavy baggage. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people came over from WCGQ to KISS FM to – he hired basically the whole staff. And so I was expendable. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been I, there. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're wondering, oh, my gosh. I, you know, I had a job. A job wasn't the issue. It was – I lost what I loved, you know. And I, and I went and put tapes in at different stations and nothing. And I finally I went to Foxy. 105 and Davis Broadcasting around the corner. It used to be around the corner. Right down the street. And I went there, and I and the lady at the desk, she told me. She said, uh, I said, can I drop this off with the program director? I would like to apply for a position here if you have any. And uh, she goes, well, he's not going to see you, but I'll give it to him. That's exactly what she said to me. So she took my tape, my resume, and she walked back in the room. She came back out. There was a sliding glass door that went back into where the control rooms were. She walked back out and shut the door. She goes, huh. He said, if you can wait five minutes, he'll talk to you. And his real name was Byron Pitts. Uh, his on-air name was J. Michael McKay. He was program director. He married uh, our, <clears throat> one of our news people, uh, Maria Boynton, who's now in Atlanta at V103 News Director up there. And um, he brought me in the office, and he said, uh, when can you start? I said, today. He said, be here at 2.30. So I came back, I worked with Daryl Smith, trained, and I worked there 87, 88, and 89 at Foxy 105, and I had a black, I had no handcuffs, I had no filters, I could do whatever I did, gospel on, on Sunday mornings, because I worked both Saturday and Sundays, and I've got to meet a lot of the pastors that came in on WOKS and mm-hmm. did programs, Robert Edmund, who worked here, and yes. I worked together, we went to high school together, played basketball together, and then we worked at the radio station together and then here and um i did a second tour there um but i got started in television so when i lost my job in radio i was still working fast food and had a couple other jobs and robert cunningham called me one day and he said are you tired of doing what you're doing and i said yeah 
yeah. And he said, all right, come see me. So I go all the way to Phoenix City to because I was living with my grandparents at the time, going to school. I get back over to the campus, and he goes, you have a job interview at 3 o'clock today at WLTZ. For what? And he said, for news photographer slash master control. It's a hybrid position that they're creating because they need an extra camera guy. And he and I knew how to operate a camera because, you know, an Ikigami 730 is not that hard to operate. <laughs> um, and we had the same cameras at the school. So I knew, and so I went <clears> over there and um, – what year was this? This was 88, okay. and Borden Black was news director, and Al Fleming was there. and So it's kind of intimidating when you see Al Fleming. Oh, Borden used to be a reporter, so I knew her, you know, and I, I knew of her, and mm-hmm. I knew Al Fleming from because everybody knows Al Fleming. And I said, <clears throat> what do you want me to do? And she said, take the camera, go out back, and shoot a weather shot. Well, I knew what a weather shot was, so I went out and shot, I don't know, four or five of them. Mm-hmm. I, and Richard Elliott, who we've been friends forever, he came in, uh, he came in the, the parking lot there, and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm shooting a weather shot. And he goes, okay, why? I said, I don't know. She told <laughs> me to come shoot a weather shot. So I came back in, and then I had to meet with the chief engineer, Bob Hook, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, with those little cigarettes. And he said, well, you're a Marine. You'll be all right. And he smoked <laughs> a cigarette. Anyway, so he says to me, um, you're going to be switching. So that's an old television term for putting the commercials in and out, master control, for people who <coughs> don't know what switching, that's what it means. And then you'll work in news when they need you. So it was a hybrid position. So I did both. And I was just joking with your chief engineer. He was talking about the, the, the head and one of the wheels off of a two-inch. Mm-hmm. I said, shoot, I used to cue commercials on those babies. And uh, so that was my first demo tape, a two-inch. Two inch. Holy cow, how did you get somebody to let you have it? You have to <coughs> buy it? It was a UGA. Uh, mm. Henry W. Grady. I, I didn't have Grady money. <laughs> I had whatever the name of our building was at CBCC. <laughs> but uh, um, she hired me, and they hired me. And I did the hybrid position for about six months, and then they took me to news full-time. And um, uh, I was part of a, a story that won an AP my first year. Associated Press. Yeah, Associated Press Award, yeah. Okay. And, the, and the reporter, to his credit, he, he should have won it. But we had some really great people that I worked with, and they taught me sequencing and all these different things about photography. So I was having a conversation with a bunch of the photographers here in town one day because we, you know, we all hung out together at the Southern and Open. back in those days, you got to understand when, and we'll get to this point, but when you hired me, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, we had eight photographers. We did. We did. Now we have one. Kevin. Kevin Roble. Who actually worked here. When I was the news director. Mm, yeah. So I'm getting ahead of myself. But at there was a time when photographers, there was a, oh, yeah. a nice little fraternity of them here in oh, Columbus. Yeah. There were some good ones, too. Paul Therian, I think he's probably <coughs> retired now. He has. Um, Marion Lawhorn. And then Channel 3 had John Lyles. Mm-hmm. People can believe John Lyles was actually a photographer. He started out as a photographer here at this station. And um, Teresa, who worked with Teresa. And we had, you know, we had a group, group, great group. But we were at the Southern Open. And we were in, in, you have to understand, for those of you who are watching, Mr. Humility across the table here, um, he was always the Southern Open. He did the show. He did all the stuff. He got to talk to Jack Nicholas and all these people while, you know, they would say, well, just meet Phil out there, and he'll take the microphone, <coughs> and you shut up and let him do the interview. And that's kind of how it worked. Well, this one day, he was shooting his own stuff, and so Richard Elliott and I were up at the tent um, waiting for Larry Mize. And 
I think it was Larry. Yeah, it was, I think it uh, might have been Davis Love the first. I don't I don't know. Anyway, we were waiting to do an interview, and there was a guy standing in front of us with a headphone and a walkie-talkie and all this kind of stuff, and my batteries die. That's a very common problem back in the old mm-hmm. days. They didn't buy new ones. What are you talking about? They put new cells in them, whatever. So I'm <laughs> standing there, and, and I go, Richard, the battery's dead again. He goes, man, come on. I go, dude, this was a new battery. I go, you know what the engineer is going to say? It's my problem. The engineer's never fixing it, and blah, blah, you know, whatever. And I, and I knew we weren't recording, so Bob Hook would never, and Dennis Boswell would never hear me say that. So anyway, uh, this guy looks at me and turns back around, and I'm thinking, who's this guy, PGA, Big Wheel, whatever, right? It's Dick Bird, who was the news director at Channel 9 okay. at WTV. <laughs> He's retired now, living up in the Smoky Mountains. And, and Dick <clears throat> called me on the phone in the newsroom. And, and actually, that's not true. Let me get this right. He had one of his photographers reach out to me. And he said, I heard what you said. I'm thinking, man, a news director is calling me on the phone from the other station. I am in deep trouble. I had no idea how broadcasting worked. And he goes, I heard what you said. I wanted to talk to you. I said, yes, sir. I'm scared to death, right? So um, he says, I want to offer you a job. Uh, Excuse me? (laughs) He says, I want to offer you a job. And it was, I was making... I don't know, seven thousand dollars a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like like eleven. I was like, what? <laughs> and um I would have been working with all those guys at night. Bob Brown, Jack was over there by then. And Eric Ludgood was executive producer. I mean, they had a stable. Greg Hudgeson was chief mm-hmm. photographer. And um I went to Borden and I told her, I said, This is he called me and offered me a job. She goes, Well, you're crazy, take it. And I said, no, you hired me. I'm going to work for you. And so from that moment on, I've had undying respect for Borden Black. And she was always she's always my boss. We didn't always see eye to eye on things later, but <clears throat> it doesn't matter. She she gave me my break, just like Bear gave me a break. And God believe, used both of them. I believe she's the only person that I'm aware of that ever was a news director at all three TV stations here in Columbus. And probably executive producer at all three, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, She was good. She was the one, and I'm going to say this for also for broadcasting, that that always encouraged us to, you know, take your gear and play with it, and, and, and you ain't hurting anything. Go shoot. Go on the weekends. And I could go to Georgia games, which I didn't because I didn't want to. I'd rather go to Auburn games. Um, but You had to I, stick that in there, I, didn't I you? did have to do a lot of Georgia when I was <coughs> at WSB. So, anyway, uh, I got a job offer um, from a TV station in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I had two of them, actually, one in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is where I really wanted to go, and Fort Wayne, Indiana. But it was 21 Alive, and if you remember Steve Faust, that mm-hmm. was at Channel 9. He had been executive producer there, and he was news director at 9. And he, he or had been news director at 9, I think, and left to go to Nashville. And he told me um, very briefly, because I called him, and he said, well, are you kidding? That's a great station. So I went, took the interview, took the job. As a matter of fact, Teresa and I had a conversation when they called me and said, we're going to fly you up, Teresa Whitaker is the one who said to me back then when she was a reporter, she said, well, you know, the saying is when they fly you, you got the job. I was not, I was like, I have no idea. And I did, I got the job. I stayed there a few months and then I went to Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and I got there on a Monday night, Thursday morning, hurricane, Thursday night, hurricane Hugo hit. Um, I was under a camera starting Wednesday until, I don't know, a couple weeks later. 
um, the station that hired me was not who I was working freelance for at the time because I didn't start to one October. It happened 22 September. So long and the short of it is I freelanced for the TV station, the now NBC back then it was ABC, and that was my first exposure really to WSB people. And they were all there. The guy who was the news director was brand new. He and I started that same day. And he had been executive producer at Channel 2 in Atlanta. So he hired me to freelance, and I worked with him. And long after when I was in Atlanta, they won an Emmy for Best Newscast, and I was part of that team. So, And then my job with WCSC lasted about 30 seconds, and then they let six people go because they lost so much money in the hurricane. They called me back several – I got a job in radio doing oldies. Oldies 94.3. No, I had a guy named Buzz Bowman with these pipes down the you still floor. Have, okay, the, you still have some good pipes. Bob. Come on, man. <laughs> but he, he said uh, – <laughs> he said You uh, always have a job in radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I did. I would do it tomorrow. Anyway, so we um, um, we had a conversation, the chief engineer, chief uh, photographer and I. They offered me the job for about $7,000 less right before Thanksgiving, and I couldn't take it. Now, this is where God intervened with the military. I had been, when I worked at Channel 38, wanting very much to go back into the Marine Corps. I missed it. I missed the camaraderie. I missed my buddies. I was in the infantry. Not really a translatable job skill um, in the 80s. Uh, as a matter of fact, I interviewed for one job, and the guy told me, he said, well, it's too bad the mafia is not hiring. Um, you're trained for that. And you do have an Italian grandfather. But anyway, um, I said, uh, I really want to do this. So Richard helped me. We took pictures and... I wrote a letter, as I sit here, I promise you, I can produce it, to the Commandant of the Marine Corps, the new Commandant. He was Al Gray, General Gray, who had been our uh, division commander when I was in 2nd Marine Division. And I said, I just poured my heart out. I just said, I've, I've written letters, nobody listens. Uh, you know, I got out for this medical thing, I've overcome it. I spent all this money on my own to get proven that it's fine and this and that. And I know whoever reads this letter, please, just show it to him. I know he doesn't read his own mail. So the phone rings immediately two months later. And Carolyn, you remember her, the, the, yes. the lady that yes. was in the lobby? Absolutely. Uh, page star seven. So I picked the phone up. Yes, ma'am. She goes, you have a call from Washington. Hmm. Thinking Fred Washington, the photographer at Channel 9, <laughs> right? And this lady says, stand by for the commandant. And it was the commandant. And he said, son... I read your letter. In about five minutes, the recruiter is going to call you, and you're going back in the Marine Corps. Congratulations, and that's it. He hung the phone up. I turned around. Your and journalism paid off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My nouns and verbs agreed. <laughs> uh, he was an infantryman, so I really didn't have to write that good of a letter. But anyway, I turned around in the newsroom, and I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this just happened to me. So this is where God is working even when I didn't have that relationship. So – um, I left and went to Fort Wayne, Charleston, blah, blah, blah. So I reached out to this recruiter uh, in Charleston um, when I was in Charleston because I didn't have a job. I, I just had radio, you know, and I was working at Foot Locker for a second job to try to pay my bills. I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I had no really resume tapes. I had to go try to get that, and all the stations are destroyed. So um, call this recruiter in Atlanta and he's like where are you I said what do you mean where am I I'm in Charleston he goes you've got like 13 days left however much time was left in November 
to get enlisted. I said, wait, what? He goes, yeah, I've been looking for you for six months. I said, well, did you call any of the TV stations? He goes, yeah, and I always people say, oh, I don't know where he's at. I can see that. That's the way it is with the photographer. That's, they like, they like, no, that's Bob. I'm glad Bob's <laughs> gone. But so anyway, um, I got in. I got back into the Marine Corps a few days shy of exactly four years from when I got out. So I was able to go to the Marine Corps ball, and I stayed in the drilling reserves, and then I got a, a job opportunity here at WTVN as a reporter photographer, the one-man band as we call it, right? Mm-hmm. So I came here um, and plugged in and was working, you know, radio. I got back at Foxy. Mr. Davis hired me back over at Foxy. Never I, burn a bridge because, me, you know. Let me tell you something. I want to say this, too. I hope I don't get emotional. There's going to be a couple of times I probably will, but this is one of them. Greg Davis is probably one of the finest people I've ever met, and that was my honor to work for him. I'm so glad his company's successful. Mm-hmm. What a great man. You know, I was walking down the hallway ranting during this second tour that I was there. I was like, Nobody listens to me when I'm here. He actually came out of his office. He goes, Bob, can I talk to you? I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm about to get fired. And uh, it was Mr. Davis, and he took me in. He goes, don't ever say that. I care what you think. What's the problem? And I explained it was a technical thing. We were having some technical thing, and it kept happening over and over and over. And I said, well, if we did this and this and this, we could fix it. So we did this and this and this, and we fixed it. Go figure. But he listened. And so I've always been so glad to see the honors and things bestowed upon him and what a great company he runs. And, and they exemplified integrity to me and so uh a tornado hit i don't know if you remember this or not in 1990 in the spring and it came across it hit phoenix city side first and it skipped over the river and it came through downtown except i don't think it got on the ground i think it just hung Mm -hmm. which does more damage It's, it's easier i think if it gets on the ground anyway i was driving in to the radio station to do my shift and i came down the hill here Mm -hmm. and as i came and hung the corner around the bottom of the park to go down to the radio station the roof of gray of uh lit the chrome was literally walking across the street towards my car it was standing straight up walking towards me because it was the storm had it pushing and so i you know i'm in my mustang i'm trying to get around it you know and i get to the radio station that was on 13th that was on it was uh the street the radio station's on okay 14th it was behind, yeah, yeah, it was behind Lithochrome's old building. It yeah. was coming across there where Gray Bar used to be. Yeah. It was coming right there. So I jumped in their parking lot, went around, and I'm beating on the front door, the radio station, let me in, let me in. You know, it's dark, and it's pouring, and it's storming. And the guy goes, go around back. I go around back, what? When I went around back for him to let me in, the roof caved in on WOKS's studio. He would have been sitting there. Mm. That's God. Mm-hmm. So when I came in that morning, Robert Edmund and I went to the transmitter, which is down next to the old farmer's market for WOKS because Foxy was off the air. And we broadcast with a CD player in our hands and a microphone plugged into the transmitter. And I did an interview with a bunch of the TV stations. And then I had to get off because Channel 9 is like, look, you got to go to work. I don't care. I'm like, wait, I almost got killed. They're like, well, it's good. You got to be at work at 2 o'clock, 2.30. So that afternoon I went out and did live shots and uh, – and did my work because I did one-man band stuff and did my own live shot a couple times because I could run a truck. And then um, I got an opportunity um, at 11 Alive. 
I had taken a tape up one morning. I called the chief. I called the chief photographer at every one of those stations. I wore them guys out, mm-hmm. girls out, mm-hmm. and I called him and I said, "Can I bring you a tape up to look at?" He goes, "Mail it to me." So I mailed it to him. I called him again. He goes, "Yeah, I looked at it. If you're ever in town, stop by. Huh, I'll be in town tomorrow." I heard Steve Beverly say that he to when Dick McMichael he said I'd be there the next day. I literally went the next day. Called in sick, so now Channel Nine knows I called in sick that day, and I went to. 11, 11, I sat in the lobby. And after about two hours of them paging him, the lady who was the receptionist, you know, I'll give you guys a lesson in that in a second, but the receptionist says, you know what, I'm going to go find him because I had bonded with her. Mm-hmm. And she went and found him. And he took me back and he looked at my tape and he goes, yeah, well, you're not the best I've ever seen, but you're not the worst. You know, if I ever have any openings, may I consider you. You should go to a medium market before you try to come to a top 20. Because back then we were 11 market. Now they're market five. I think they just became five. Um, And I said, okay. So, you know, driving back to Columbus with your your rear end smarting like that wasn't fun. I come back to work and I'm shooting and this and that. And all of a sudden, about two weeks later, I get a phone call. And it's this guy, Richard Crabb. And he says, hey, I've got an opportunity here possibly um are you going to be up this way I, I, I don't need somebody driving back and forth from columbus so i took a job at burger king in atlanta um so that i could get there and i moved up there so i had a job because this was going to be freelance and um i guess i was there maybe two weeks and he called me and said i need somebody five days a week are you available i said hold on just a second I resigned my position effective immediately, <laughs> and I started, and it was six months. It was a vacation relief position is what they called it, but reality, what happened is a photographer had been in an auto accident, broke his back. Great photographer. I mean, great photographer. So six months, I worked for 11 Alive. Saddam invaded Kuwait. Um, Jerry Carnes, remember him? Mm-hmm. Jerry's still there. As a matter of fact, he? he covered the tornado damage. He was the one that covered our church when it was destroyed in the tornado here mm-hmm. in March. And he got to meet my daughter. He goes, oh, my gosh, you're Bob Page's daughter. Oh, my gosh. He's, wait, he's got kids? Anyway, so <laughs> um, <clears throat> Jerry Jerry and I came out and did the deployment of the 197th here for 11. And Griff Godwin came out because Griff was working at the ba- at the base. Yeah. And uh, it was like a reunion. You know, I got to see Griff. And um, He worked it, at the 38 for a long time. He And he worked for us. Yeah, with us. here. Came here. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, so he um, – anyway – at the end of six months, guy comes back to work. You got to go. There's no love in broadcasting big markets. They don't have any love for you. Um, Channel 46, which is the CBS now, was a 10 o'clock news. It had just started, and they were bumping from a half hour to an hour. And I called over there and said, do you have any freelance work? Because I'm, I'm here. She goes, absolutely. We got a guy deploying to the Middle East. Would you be willing to work his shift Wednesday through Sunday? I said, I, yeah. So? I went to work for them. Great gear, Beta SP, best equipment, man. I mean, but we only had eight of us, so so again, it was rough sledding. Uh, he comes back. He he gets mobilized to deploy. All of a sudden, he shows back up and quits. Moves to Oklahoma. I guess he didn't want to go to the war. So the job opens up. God puts me in that position. Then I get mobilized for the Desert Storm or Desert Shield at that time, and yeah. then Desert Storm. I came home. I worked there three years. And won a couple of Emmys, won some APs, 
SPJ finalist a couple times, but I really fell in love with being a photographer. And I, 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 I thought, look, with a face like this, the fastest way to network is you, you guys were talking about, we're going to go all the way, you know, you and Steve, well, that's network for those of you guys who don't know. The fastest way to network with a face like mine is with a camera on your shoulder. And I thought I'm going to get there one day. So that's how I'm going to do it. And, um, I took every AP workshop, lighting class, the the uh, uh, Oklahoma City, uh, the NPPA. Um, um, why can't I think of the name of it? Anyway, the, the, the one-week course where you go out. Why can't I think of that? I used to have the T-shirt. Every kid wanted to go there. Every photographer wanted to go to that. So I did all of that, and I got better. And then one day, after I won two Emmys in one night, chief photographer from WSB comes up to me, Don Johnson. That's his real name, Don. Love him great guy says to me hey man why don't you come work for us and about three days later when i caught my breath i'm like did he really offer me a job so i called him i said were you serious he goes yes i'm serious but you're gonna have to wait a while well i had a job offer from ktla and 29 fox 29 in philadelphia and so i took the philadelphia job and i went to philadelphia and did what only tv people can do I worked three days and quit and came back because I knew I was out of God's will. And I came back to Atlanta with $20. That's all I had. The apartment that I had had was still, my rent was paid. Mm -hmm. I fell right back into my apartment that I had lived in. I lived in that place seven years. And it was a house, actually. And um, I freelanced. The, the Braves lost the 93 series to the Phillies. So the Philly stations came down. <laughs> and they weren't happy with me, but I didn't care. So I did a little freelance for Channel 5, and then Channel 2 calls me and says, we're ready. And so I went on staff at WSB, and I got to cover everything from the Civil War in Rwanda uh, in 94, um, the Hutu-Tutsi Civil War, um, to drug wars in Grenada, um, World Series, Super Bowl, NBA championship, the Masters, I mean, Georgia football games, you know, and things like that. And um, you got to say that with more <laughs> yeah. excitement there, Paul. But, you know, I got to tell you something. Um, I did a lot of growing there, and that was, it was at WSB that I realized that God was tugging on my heart. Um, I was a good kid. I went to Mass every Monday at St. Thomas More over in Decatur. And, uh, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ. So when I got the opportunity to move into management, it was in Tucson, Arizona. So I took it and went in 97 to Tucson as news operations manager and chief photographer. And um, I wasn't about to shoot. I was, I was like, I'm ops manager. I made it. I'm, this is the only job I ever wanted in television, right? I'm, I'm the man. Well, after some of those guys had worked in Los Angeles, and you know, you think these guys work in big markets, they're just great photographers. They're just not aim and shoot, aim and shoot. They had shot film, so it was, you know, three second clips. Everything's pan and zoom, and I couldn't handle it. Sorry, I didn't want to bore you at home. But anyway, um, I did a lot of research on equipment and things like that, and, and uh, but I was bored, and I didn't like Tucson very much. And uh, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. John Alston. John Alston had worked with us at WSB. And he says, hey, are you through with the sand? I said, what do you mean? He says, he was in Sacramento. And he says, hey, got a news operations job here. I want you to talk to the news director. I said, okay. 
news director calls me up. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's Brent Bader. Outstanding guy. And he goes, how about if I fly you up? Let's talk. Sure. Oh, man, this guy knew exactly what to do. I got off the plane. We drive to a restaurant on the river with water in it <laughs> and green trees. And I'm like, where do I sign? <laughs> so After Tucson? Yeah, yeah I took that job. And I was actually in Tucson when they won the national championship, UA won, that last time in 97. And, uh, and, and, and because I had big market WSB experience, I knew how to deploy my team and cover that. Um, and so Sacramento, that really helped because we had a five-hour morning show and we had seven hours or eight hours of news a day on that station. And so I got a lot of experience quickly. Well, <clears throat> while I lived in Sacramento, um, I, I, I took up on Sundays because Mass was on Sunday night for the one I went to. And I, and I started watching. I, I just, I, I, I'll just be frank. Um, I knew God was knocking me in the head. I knew, I knew it. And I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know. Okay, well, Lord, you know, I told my grandfather once, I said, I'd, I'd be a priest if I could have a wife. And he just laughed at me. <laughs> he laughed at me. And anyway, I'll tell you what my grandmother said later. Actually, you already know this. But um, I turned the television on, and John Hagee was on. And he was in Israel. And there's these big poster boards up there talking about the rapture and being left behind talk about being scared to death i had no idea what he was talking about i was lost as a lamb open the bible <laughs> no i was mesmerized well he came on twice on sunday so that was in the morning time so i i he came on again at four o'clock so i'm like church is at 5 30 it's all the way in different part of sacramento and i'm working at the tv station and i'm living by myself i got nothing couch and a tv in a bed because it's tv and um i got on my knees after the second time I watched him because I had absolutely no idea what he was saying, but I knew I did not want to be left behind. And I had a King James Bible that somebody had given me. And I took it in the living room and I just dropped it in the floor. I don't know what it opened to. I don't know where it went, but I got on the floor with my face on that Bible and I said, I surrender. Mm. And I gave my life to the Lord right there. Mm. And That year was what? Uh, 98. And so March of 98, and um, this is where the wheels start moving. And I got up the next morning, went to work. I, I don't think I slept for about three days because I was so on fire. I didn't have any idea what I didn't know. I was watching every – because there were two channels that carried all religious programming. I was watching everything, even Harold Camping. Welcome to Open Forum. I watched him two or three times a day. Anyway, so <clears throat> Tuesday night I went to bed. I had a dream, or I'll keep to myself, but it was, it, it was, a, I was, I was, it was the rapture, and I, and I made it. I was so happy. I woke up, it's like 1.30 in the morning. I've been asleep like an hour and a half. I was starving to death. So I go have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I'm like, okay, I'm awake. I went to work. Now, I was doing reviews for my staff. I had 57 people that reported to me. Oh. Production directors, producers. Huge staff. Photographers. Yeah, I had 15 photographers. Eight of them were just artists. They were amazing. Brent Tonamachi worked yeah. for me. And um, uh, anyway, I was sitting there doing the review, and we had a little group of people, and you'll probably get a laugh out of this. Every newsroom has that eclectic little group of people. They're usually in production. They wear berets, and there were fedoras, and we had we had – one here, Walter, who I absolutely love, Walter. He always wore a fedora. 
He was one of those photographers in Columbus that I learned from. And, and anyway, she was sitting, this girl was sitting in my office. She had her cape on and her beret on, and I'm doing her thing. And she reaches over and touches my back. She says, hey, can I ask you a question? My office literally was no wider than maybe one and a half of this desk. So it was probably about as wide as you and I are. We didn't have that much room between us. And I turned around because I got her review up on my computer screen so she can see it. And I said, yeah. And she said, you got saved, didn't you? I froze. I said, uh, yeah. How did you know? She goes, we've been praying for you since you got here. And it turns out that crowd was all Christians. And they had been getting together every day praying for me. Because somebody said the Lord put me on their heart and they were praying for me. And I said, well, I don't know what to do. So they were totally instrumental in helping me Absolutely. get my feet under me. So about two, three weeks later, I get a phone call from Robert Cunningham. Hey, man, what's going on? You know, Robert, always <laughs> up. Hey, man, what's going on? I said, hey, man, how's it going? What's going on? He goes, hey, uh, you, you heard what happened over at three, right? I said, no. <laughs> I'm in Sacramento, the other side of the world. He goes, well, here's the thing. They, they, they need a news director. I said, okay, well, you want me to give you a name or a couple of people? He goes, no, actually, I'm hoping you're interested. I go, for news director? He goes, yeah. I go, well, yeah, but he said, good. He cut me off because I gave him your name already. So the general manager's probably going to call you. So he did. Phil Lane called me, and I sent him my resume and a tape of one of our shows. And uh, they flew me out, and it was Easter weekend. And I got to surprise my family. They didn't know I was coming. My grandfather had passed away in 96, so he didn't get to see us. But my grandmother was here, and um, – I called her from my cell phone as I'm walking in her back door. And uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't think I had a chance in RIP. I just I got to come home for Easter. So I was really dialing into the Lord at this point. I mean, I was really studying everything I could get, reading, reading, trying to comprehend. And Phil Lane calls me. He says, uh, I want you to be the news director. Uh, the consultant didn't want me to be the news director, but you already know I didn't care what he thought. <laughs> and I still don't, in case you watch this. Um, he, uh, so they brought me home, and I walked into this very room. This was my office. And there was a plant sitting on the desk, and it was a, an ivy plant, and it said, Welcome home. And um, it, it was a pretty emotional moment for me. I was a little overwhelmed because this was the station I grew up watching. This was... This was Sportsman's Lodge, mm -hmm. Roselle. Mm -hmm. This was where Captain Kangaroo came on in the mornings. This was Dick and Al in the early 80s together. This is where I watched you, hoping that I'd catch a glimpse of myself on the sports. I never did, but I'm not angry. And um, <laughs> You have a good memory. I, yeah, I do, <laughs> well, you, for the wrong things. And so anyway, the the, <clears throat> the way the Lord worked here – was phenomenal and the only thing I could say was I inherited what I inherited was messy it wasn't a mess it was just messy there were loyalties to this person and that person it's typical newsroom stuff but I had a vision I wanted us we could do you saw this we could do whatever Atlanta did didn't matter all you have to do is have the right people in the right job and they'll be motivated 
And so some people didn't like it. Um, people went on the internet, wrote ugly things about me and all kinds of things and stuff. But regardless, I soldiered on and I started fasting because I really needed to know. When I came here for the interview, they gave me <laughs> they gave me a quiz. They said, so if you were going to hire an anchor, who would you hire? The guy who was here was pretty good. The guy who was here was, especially off prompter, he was phenomenal live. I found that out when we had a tornado before you started. And, um, but he, he, God had a plan for his life, and he's been at the same station, I guess, 20, however many years now. But anyway, um, I've been praying about it and praying about it. And when they asked me in that quiz, who would you have? I said, well, you know, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, this town, this station was the station. I realized Channel 9 is the news leader and all that stuff. I said, yeah, it was, you know, this was, this was my talk. I mean, I'm not under contract. What do I care? But I said, the only way you're going to beat them is you're going to have to give them somebody they trust. You guys have turned over and turned over and turned over. And he goes, well, what about this guy? And he pulls out Al's picture, Al Fleming. And I said, <laughs> everybody knows Al. And I kind of was kind of coy. I said, Al who? You know, <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> And uh, he goes, do you know him? I go, I, actually, I do. I worked with Al at 38. And um, I said, he, Al would be a great uh, fit. Let me think about it. And I just couldn't get comfortable with it. You gave me a piece of advice once sitting in this room right here that I have recounted with people a thousand times. I just did it last night. I mentored my niece. Um, she got saved in the, in the early part of this year, and I mentor her every Wednesday night. And uh, she's on fire for God, and it's just amazing to watch. I told her, I said, I know when I'm in the Lord's will, when I have peace. And I said, Phil Scoggins told me that, and I've used that my entire walk. When I know I have peace in my spirit, I'm walking with the Lord. So I didn't have peace, and I was fasting. And I don't know if you remember what day of the week it was, but it was a Tuesday because I'd been fasting since I went to bed Sunday night. I walked out of this room right here. I'd been praying, too. I walked right down that hallway. I just showed my wife the door. And out of the door comes five foot whatever in Phil gear right into me. Phil, how's it going? And you walk, you back, walk back in the door. You were with Bob Hobie doing yeah. some work. And um, I said, what are you doing? And you said, oh, I'm just working on some stuff. And I said, you got, you got a minute? And you go, uh, yeah. Bob Hobie's like, yeah, I can go smoke a cigarette. So, thank you, Bob. So, I get Phil here. This is for you guys to know. Around the shoulder. And I said, you know what? We need to talk. And I took him straight to the general manager's office. Phil Lane. How's it going? Yeah, I know Phil. Remember? Mm -hmm. We sat down and had this conversation. We sat down in the chairs in the front of us. And Phil, is he's looking at me right now. You should have seen his face then. He had no idea what I was up to. And I said... This is my new anchor. And both of their faces went, <laughs> what? And uh, Mine sure did. Phil goes, oh, you mean <clears throat> sports? And I went, no. Main anchor. And he goes, what? No, I'm not a main anchor. I'm a sports guy. And I said, God told me you're my guy. Now, when I walked out of this room, I felt what you talked about in my spirit. For the first time since I had been fasting, I felt that peace, and you walked right in front of me. I knew. I knew. I knew without question. God spoke to my heart. This is your guy. 
I can tell you, I've told you that story probably how many times. So when we worked it all out and Teresa, I said, Teresa needs to be back on the six. This is my team. I want Jack Rogers back on the air. And then we had another one to bring in. Mitzi. And she had come down for a reunion over across the street. Mitzi was sitting in that chair last night on Bob Jeswell's podcast. Was she really? Yes, right where you are. I love Mitzi. I used to love watching her because she was fun. When she did the weather, she was fun. And so I called her and brought her in and talked to her. You Actually, you probably were here when I talked to mm-hmm. her. And um, God allowed that to happen. And so I stayed in prayer as we put this team together. And... <clears throat> Believe me, people, the devil was at us. And um, we got ready to launch. We were coming up on the Jerry Lewis Telethon, remember? And we would mm-hmm. we had been working through new graphics. Bob Hovey did a phenomenal job on this commercial, introducing our new logo and all this stuff. Your news team, your news team, people you know. And the other thing that was happening when I got here, if you remember, they were throwing our history in the trash. The radio station, the old radio station in, back here in the back was full of all kinds of stuff. And the GM and I walked back there and he goes, he goes, yeah, I'm going to throw all this trash out. And it's film cans, right? So I looked down and it's George Busby, Governor Busby, Governor Carter, Dick McMichael sitting down interviewing him when he announces to run for president. You're going to throw this out? This is history. He goes, well, it's just in a way. <laughs> so if you remember, it was along, all that stuff was along the walls of my mm-hmm. office here. And I found a telegram. It should have been on the wall here. It was on the wall here, when at least when I worked here, from Frank Stanton in 1949, congratulating WRBO 20 years as a Tiffany Network member. A telegram. Mm. Frank Stanton was the number two guy at CBS Corporation under Bill Paley. Mm. And I said to him, do you know who Frank Stanton is? No, nah, man. I said, we're in sales. Of course, you don't know who <laughs> Frank Stanton is. So anyway, um, and when we launched... <clears throat> Robert Cunningham came to work with us, if you remember, mm-hmm. and and we prayed. Remember that? I do. Before the newscast. And I meant I meant what I said. This is his. It is, I'm here because of him. And, it, and um, I told you I was going to say something about this room. I'm going to tell you now. Um, you pro- I can't remember if you know this or not. You probably do. But I led two people to Christ in this office right here, right here in front of my desk. You see that glass right there? Now, I didn't have any blinds. I just closed the door. And one of them said to me, I don't know how you're doing this under this stress. I want what you have. And the other one came in here and said, I want to walk with God, and I need your help. And God allowed me to do that. And if they would have known that, they probably did know that in the front office. I would have got my head chopped off. But anyway, um, an well, opportunity. Go ahead. A part of the story that uh, that I want to add is while you were praying on your end, um, the day that I walked in and, and we ran into each other, mm-hmm. that morning uh, my wife had gone to Atlanta with my youngest daughter to visit my oldest daughter who lived there at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was home by myself. I'd been in business. I'd started a video production company. Right. I had been out of broadcasting 16 years. I had worked at Callaway Gardens for six from 82 to 88 started my video production business in 1988 so this was 10 years later June of 98 and that morning I had been in the business for myself 10 years and so I'm I'm at home um, asking the Lord 
I, I like doing video work. I like being behind a camera. I'm not paying myself a lot. Insurance for the family was high, in you know a family policy. Um, I wasn't putting any money back for retirement. Um, but I said, you know, Lord, if there's something else that you have for me to do, show me, lead me. But if it's continue doing what I'm doing and, and making videos, I'm okay with that. I, I enjoy it. I like working for myself. But that prayer was prayed um, that morning, and Bob Hovey called me, and he said we had been working on an AFLAC video, and we'd run into a glitch, and we couldn't figure couldn't get past the problem. And he called me after I had prayed that prayer. He called, and he said, Kent, how fast can you get up here? He said, I've got it. I figured it out. We can we can keep going, you know, move forward, making some progress on this video. Hurry so, up, Bob's walking out of his office. <clears throat> so I, I said, give me a moment, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll grab a quick shower and I'll be up there. And so that was within probably ninety minutes of of asking the Lord to help show me do what what do I need to do here? I'm I'm at a crossroads. Then I run into you and. That afternoon, I spend two hours with you and Phil Lane in his mm-hmm. office, and probably within a month, um, back at WRBL as a news anchor. Mm-hmm. And that was not on my radar, and you know it. I know. It was not. I, you know, I made excuses to you. and Now, you know how God works. I saw you did an interview with Troy Roberts as well. Mm-hmm. Had it not been for you coming into my life like that, you three mentored me, and Troy really taught me how to teach. And our friendship, our brotherhood, is, has made me where I'm at today. And so, thank you. Because you've ministered to my life every day. I think about, I think about you standing there or sitting in that chair going, I, I'm, a, I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports guy. I'm like, well, you ain't now. You're not. You're, you're an anchor man. You're Ron Burgundy with no mustache. <laughs> And I've never watched that movie, by the way. <laughs> I refuse Please to. don't, Brian Christie. <laughs> I actually worked with Brian in San Diego. So I wanted to add, you know, you talked about uh, military. Let me, let me jump over to that for a second. So in, in my walk with the Lord, I really wanted to serve him. And when I was here, I was a Marine Reservist, and I really wanted to serve him, and I just couldn't do it. The Marine Corps wants to be your boss. It's, 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 it's all-consuming. You either are or you ain't. Mm-hmm. And I, just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't focus on it anymore. And so uh, when I got the offer to go to San Francisco, um, I left and went to work at CBS in San Francisco as assistant news director. And I, I was totally overwhelmed when I met Lori. And, you know, I called you. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. <laughs> Almost fell off our front porch. Um and it was a hard job. That was a very hard job. But uh, I knew um, in our first year of marriage, we had, matter of fact, we had only been married a month, about a month. And I asked her on our honeymoon, I had gotten out of the Marine Reserves for, I'd been out about two months. And I said, I really want to serve. I still feel like I need to, it's in me. It's who I am. But, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be in the Marines anymore. I, I said, I, I want to work with chaplains. And so I, I talked to the Army and the Navy, but I didn't do that before on our honeymoon. I said, please pray about it. And she's like, listen. I'm with you if that's what you want to do. 
So I applied to the Army and the Navy. The Army, first one, they come back and go, yeah, yeah, we'll give you whatever you want. We'll make you E7, all this other kind of stuff. I said, just put it in writing, because I was a Marine recruiter. <laughs> put it in writing. Uh, as soon as you hear, oh, uh, you know it's not going to happen. The Navy guy calls me, and he goes, they're going to let you keep your rank. That was God. That was what the sign we were looking for from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I became a religious program specialist and um, uh, went through the training. They, they made me go back and learn how to be with the Marine Corps. I taught at infantry school. <laughs> Think about a waste of tax dollars, whoever's listening, congressman. Anyway, um, so I, I uh, was mobilized and at 1st Marine uh, Expeditionary Force over in Pendleton. And I had avoided that base like the plague when I was in the Marine Corps and when I went in the Navy and they sent me there. I was like, what was I thinking? This is great. It's on the ocean. I had a great time. And, and we had our first, our, our child, son, my son, who's now at Auburn. And um, Lori came down with me, and then we went to Iraq. We, well, we went to Kuwait for um, to go in uh, to go in for the invasion. And uh, I was part of uh, the MEF chaplain's office, and my reserve chaplain, uh, Chuck Roots, who's also a, like an uncle to me. I mean, I loved him. I love him so much. Um, they separated us, and they gave me. Uh, a different chaplain to take care of. And the chaplain was a rabbi, the only rabbi in the theater. And Irv Elson, he's my brother. I mean, our daughter's middle name is his last name. Mm -hmm. We love them like family and their family, and that's just how it is. And um, we forged a bond. We had many theological discussions. Lots of them. I learned a lot from him because I was, I'm like a sponge, man. I got to know, teach me, teach me, teach Mm -hmm. me. So anyway, um, we ended up being attached because he was an 05 and the Navy's commander and the Army's lieutenant colonel, and I was an E6. So we were way too much horsepower to be in a battalion for what we did, but the chaplain quit. I didn't know they could do that. We found that out the hard way. The former Secretary of Defense was the commanding general, Mattis. Yeah, We could hear that uh, dressing down as we were coming to his tent. That chaplain was getting dressed down on the way out as we were coming to fill the hole. So we went through with the reg- 1st Regimental Combat Team. We did on Nasseria during the sandstorm where Jessica Lynch was grabbed up. We were in that battle, um, and we were in a few more on up the road there going into Alcoot. Um, there were a couple of times where uh, my job is his bodyguard. That's my job. And um, we were in a crossfire firefight, and um, he wouldn't get out of the Hummer. So I snatched him out of the Hummer. <laughs> He has you don't t- realize that, folks, that are watching this, but Bob is, what, 6'5"? Yeah, 6'5". And he's 6'2", 3". Yeah, he's a big guy, too, and he's probably 25, 30 pounds heavier than me. And I, and I tore my rotator cuff, actually, but he's Motrin. The doctor, like, Motrin, you'll be fine. But I got him out because he it wasn't that he was scared. He didn't know what – I mean, when you don't know what you're going to do until that happens to you. And I got him on the ground and my driver on the ground, and you, you met him at retirement, mm-hmm. both of them. And um, I got him on the ground and, and was over the top of him, and I told the Marine, I said, here, you, you don't need that rifle. Give it to me. And so um, when I looked up, our cannons, because we were with an artillery uh, battalion that was in the stack, and our barrels went up at first. That's called danger close. And when they come back down, that's called direct fire. And the barrels went up first, and I thought, man, they must be close. And all of a sudden, the barrels go down, and they fire into them. And I looked up, and, they, and the Iraqis were in the weeds coming our way. They wanted those cannons to stop, and um, 
it was pretty rough. And there was a reserve battalion that was attached to us, which was my last Marine Reserve unit in San Bruno. And uh, a couple more times I had to protect him. And um, when we got home, we actually flew home on commercial airliner. And uh, I had not told her any of it and or anybody really any of it and um i've been gone six months you know who is this and um we got mobilized again to go again in 04 and um, i got a, a medal and um she was pregnant with our daughter and had some complications and i didn't have to do the the fall push for fallujah because we were in fallujah so I helped set up the Wounded Warrior Battalion uh, as part of the RBE and helped uh, some people. And, and God did, I, I could, we could do three hours. I could tell you all the things that God did there, um, especially with this one kid who got his leg blown off, this reserve Navy doctor. She was a plastic surgeon. She was in the MASH hospital. She saved his leg. That kid is walking on that leg today. It blew it off. I mean, it was hanging like by a muscle. Mm. She reattached it. He lost a couple of toes. But anyway, and I was able, through God's help, to get this kid's family together. So I was out of TV for about two years there. And then um, we were wondering what we were going to do, you know, for a job. And uh, a friend of mine, who was your boss, Christine Tanaka, mm -hmm. who had worked with me in Sacramento, says to me, um, I called her and said, can I make a tape? I want to go back and be a photog back east and blah, 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 right? So I go to her station, and she comes and says to me uh, in San Diego, w would you be interested in my job? I said, what, are you leaving? She goes, yeah, I'm going. I got a fellowship, you know, university and all that stuff. I said, uh, I'll talk to your boss. I, I didn't think I had a chance at it. And, in, and it was a huge Fox station that was set up like a network. And they needed a managing editor, which is assistant news director, and I run everything. And I had a vice president of news who – was always distracted by the net, by the corporation. So um, I got the job offer by the, new, the the vice president of news, and he said, "I need to know by tomorrow, next day, latest. I got I got to move on if you can't do it." And I wasn't I I was on active duty. I'm on orders, and so I leave the office <laughs> to go to lunch with the chaplain, Captain Roots, and we walk back in, and laying on my desk are my demobilization orders. Two days. I had two days to get off active duty. That by that Friday, he wanted me to start Monday. So I gathered up my stuff and them out of the hotel, and we drove back to San Francisco. I dropped her off, and I was back to San Diego the next day. And at my job at TV, where you saw me in San Diego on Monday, and 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 I have never. I, I'm going to be very open. I have never not professed who I am or what I believe. I don't try to proselytize, but I will not tolerate, you know, certain things. I'm just not going to do it. But in that newsroom, God really grew me a lot. I had to deal with post-traumatic stress. I had to learn what that was. I didn't know what that was until I broke. Um, and we were so incredibly successful there. We won in three years 76 Emmys, the Murrow. I don't even know how many golden mics. Um we won everything. I mean, God was so good, and we won the best newscast Emmy for the first time and over the whole Southwest region there. So um, God was really good to us, and 
um, I never flinched on telling them who I was or what I believed. And, and he is involved, as, as you know. Um, you can tell people now. How many newscasts have you ever seen lead on Good Friday with what we led with? Ever. I mean, the, the, the opportunity was there. God opened the door and we did it because that's what the whole day is about. I tried to do that in another market where I worked at, and they were like, I looked in the phone book. There's only one church listed. And I'm like, what kind of – I look, and there's like 17 pages of churches. I'm like, well, <laughs> would you stop it? Anyway, but, you know, <clears throat> Phil, up to this point in my life right right now, I live for my family and for the Lord. There's There's – nothing that I have that's more important than staying focused on him. I just have been pressing in on him again. You know, these times are tough, um, and I've got a good government job. I'll just leave it at government. And uh, I have had a really successful, you know, career doing that. But, uh, you know. God's not through with him. Yeah, I, I get the feeling he's got something else going. And uh, typically, he's not checking my day timer <laughs> or my calendar. And so, you know, <clears throat> I not not bad for a kid from Bellwood, huh? What a story! And I mean, you've you've hit the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of nuggets mm. in your life and in your journey with the Lord that uh, we haven't had time to get to. But Israel, yes, um, what a, one what of a, the highlights of my life. Mine too. That that Bob was able to uh, arrange for Brent Tonamachi, and we just uh, received word this week that uh, that he passed and went on to be with the Lord mm-hmm. just within the last few days. Mm-hmm. But he went with us to it, to the to the Holy Land on a 10-day excursion that we basically told them, pack as much in, into that 10 days as you possibly can because we don't we don't want to we don't need breaks, we don't need downtime. Halfway through that week, I was dragging, but we came back and put a one-hour special together mm-hmm. uh, on the Holy Land trip, and uh, that has ministered to me and blessed me to be able to physically see places that I read about in Scripture and, and to know that my eyes have seen the Sea of Galilee. Mm. In the morning, <laughs> when the sun's coming up, right? <laughs> Shot a whole tape of that. Beautiful. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I've been up for an hour and a half. I'm like... <laughs> Why? I remember on, <laughs> on that trip, we were in a hotel at Tiberius, and uh, uh, I, I got outside on my balcony and, and eased over next to the building to where you could sort of hear your voice echo and sang to myself the song, um, Peace Be Still. Mm. Uh, he said, Peace Be Still. You talking. sang it on the Mount of Olives, too, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sang a song to my mom. I used to sing when I was a little boy um, growing up in church, a song called um, The Holy City. And so I, I sang a, a, a portion of that song uh, with the Mount of Olives to my back and Jerusalem behind me. Um, and when I showed her the tape of the, of the special that we produced, I put that on first. And she liked to fell over. She had not heard me sing that song in probably 40-something years. But thanks for that. But uh, we've been going well over an hour, Bob. I will... Your uh, boss going to get mad. <clears throat> David, it's my fault. The, ne- the neat thing about this is there is no magic number. We could go on longer. And we'll, what we'll do is, is pick back up when we 
just bring you back again and we'll we'll pick up where we left off but uh as i said at the beginning we are in a season of thanksgiving every day should be thanksgiving amen but as we approach um in two weeks from today uh thanksgiving day i wanted to bring somebody on my podcast and 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 through your words and your testimony, you've explained how I got here back at Channel 3. I'd worked here in sports when I was young, when I was in my mid-20s. Um, and here I am about to be 70 next summer. What? Yes. 70? 70. You know, yes. it's as old as that tie he wore when he first came in here. I'd, I'll have to tell that story next time about Judy. Judy, I called Judy on the phone, Judy. He's got a clothing allowance. <laughs> Go buy him some ties. And she bought him some exquisite ties. Yes, the did. general manager had a stroke. $45. I said, yeah, they look good, too, don't they? I could let him wear that purple one every day if you want to do that. Uh-huh. No, you know, brother, I got to tell you, and I said this at Evangel Temple when uh, the pastor let me announce that we were doing devotions, remember, because we started devotions mm-hmm. on the air here in the mornings. Um, <clears throat> I said, you can watch the other guys, you know, because our set will be empty when the rapture happens. And I, it was no knock on the other guys. It was just, I didn't think about it. And the next day, <laughs> the pastor's here with a letter from the general manager of the other TV station. So, you know, if he actually watches this, Lee, well, I called him and told him, I said, look, man, I, mean, I meant nothing by that. The people were offended. But the truth of the matter is, um, it's hard to serve the Lord and be in broadcasting. And I think if people want to see what it looks like, they need to be looking at you. Because I'm going to tell you, if I ever get to Kendrick Brothers, if I ever get to Kendrick Brothers where I can talk to them, I know they don't take story ideas, but I got one for you. (laughs) And I know someday the Lord's going to let me tell that story, and it's your story, how he brought you back and put you here. When people watch, when when my grandmother passed away, she had never watched any other station except for Channel 3. And you remember she used to give me, she used to tell us, tell Teresa, stop wearing so much red. Because <laughs> Teresa wore lots of red. And Or Mitzi, tell Mitzi, don't wear those long earrings anymore. And then my mother watches you. You know, I mean, people trust you because you're a man of integrity and faith. And I love you. I'm telling you right to your face. You're, you're my brother, and it was my honor to get to open the door for you here. But the people of Columbus and the the valley are the ones that are benefiting by having you bring them the news every night. Uh, the Lord uh, opened the door through you uh, 23 years ago. and God, uh, 23 years. Uh, Has it really been that long? 98 to 2021. So we will end by just saying I love you too, Bob. I thank you for listening and, and following the leading of the Lord throughout your life. And as we... Um, get to the end of this podcast i i say this every every newscast or every podcast but no matter what you're going through always remember keep the faith and join us next time won't you